Today's readings and hymns are decidedly cruciform, and that is on purpose. Um, Earlier this week, on Friday, was the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, otherwise known as Holy Cross Day. There are religious orders uh, dedicated to this uh, idea of the Holy Cross. And in fact, when I was in uh, Philadelphia, our local chapter of the Society of Catholic Priests was called the Holy Cross chapter because we were inaugurated on that very day. There's another feast of the cross that is less well known called the Invention of the Holy Cross. And not invention in the way that we think of today as in uh, Eureka, I found it, but in, in a way of discovery. Uh, that's when St. Helena is purported to have found the true cross when she was on her pilgrimage to the Holy Land. She, the first pilgrim to the Holy Land. But today we focus on this idea of the cross of Christ, the Holy Cross of Christ. And in today's gospel reading, uh, Jesus mentions it. Now, bear in mind that at this point, no one yet knows exactly what kind of fate Jesus will meet, except, of course, for himself. He's going along with the disciples and teaching them and asking, who do people say that I am? Some say, some think you're uh, Elijah, some think you're a prophet. Ah, but who do you say that I am? He asks. And Peter blurts out, you are the Messiah. And so Jesus orders them sternly to tell no one about this, but then goes on to open up to them about the plan of God, how he must suffer and be rejected and, yes, die, but then be raised on the third day. Now, this is not what any of them wanted to hear. They were enthralled by their young master and expected something different. We don't know what each of them expected, but we know it wasn't this. Certainly didn't expect to give up their lives and their families and follow this person around, essentially uh, homeless, just to have him lose it all. It was a gamble they didn't want to take. So when Peter rebukes Jesus and tells him that this cannot be, that's when Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you have set your mind not on divine things but on human things. And how many times do we hear that or uh, witness that by example during the life of Christ where he tries to show those who are around him, anybody, anybody who will listen, but especially his disciples, how to set their minds not on human things, but on divine things. Now, for Jesus being perfect God and perfect man, he had a little bit more of an insight on these things than would his followers. Because his followers then, just like his followers now, you and me, are flesh and bone human beings living in time and space in our uh, culture, in our country, in our state and town. And so we are physically bound to the context in which we exist. 
There's just no way around it. But what Jesus is asking us to do, even though it's a stretch, I think can be accomplished in this earthly life. And that is to set our mind on things heavenly. So when he rebukes Peter, he has something that he wants everyone, everybody to hear. Because remember, up to that point, it was just the disciples right around Jesus, just that core group. But then he calls all the crowd in. Come on, come on, I have something to tell you. And he says to them, because they were all excited about Jesus. You know, he had many followers, not just the, the 12. He said, if any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, he's telling them that there is a cost to discipleship. Those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Now, we know from the history of the church that in ancient times, but even up to today, there are people who we consider to be martyrs who have actually given up their lives, their physical lives, and died for the sake of their faith. In the Christian tradition, we do not seek out martyrdom, but it's always sort of there in the background as a possibility, however remote for us here in the United States. For in our country, thank God, we are able to worship as we please. We are able to be Christian or Jew or Muslim or what have you and go about our lives without fear of attack. At least we hope so. So for us, what does is, what is losing our life for Christ mean? If it doesn't mean that we actually lose our animation and our heartbeat and our thoughts and die, what does it mean? Well, I think it means always trying to see the world through Jesus's eyes and through Jesus's heart, because all too often we get blinded by our own humanity and what's right in front of us. Remember, uh, St. James wrote in his epistle, which we heard this morning, that how dangerous the tongue can be, what a potent weapon it can be, and how it is used on the one hand to praise God, and on the other hand it is used to curse those who are made in his image. And so we, his, his uh, admonition in his prayer for those who are reading that, then and now, is to always be mindful even though we all slip up, as he said, we all make many mistakes. But to be mindful of how powerful that tool is that God gave us, that tool of speech. And with it, we should praise God, and with it, we should not curse those who are made in his image. So that is part, that's one way of losing our life for the cross. Uh, giving up, giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our treasure to help others. It's very easy to live in a comfortable bubble and to insulate yourself from the realities of the world that are just outside your door. Sometimes it's a comfort to do that, 
especially when terrible things are happening all around you. But I know from my short experience here, and I'm sure you know as well, that um, in the midst of great wealth, we have great poverty. And one of the things that we really strive to do here at St. Mary's is to reach out and help our neighbors as much as we can. And we, I think we do a very good job of that. Now, we'll never, ever completely alleviate the problem. But what we can do on this earth and in the time that we have is to reach out to those who are made in God's image just like we are and to try to make their lives a little more comfortable and to try to help them to step up and be able to take care of themselves and then in return reach out and take care of someone else. Because Jesus says, what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? So he wants us to put on, he wants us to look through his eyes, to see the world through his eyes, to see it as God's creation, not as things that we own or people who we associate with or don't associate with. He doesn't want us to see race. He doesn't want us to see political affiliation. And so it's not just about being nice. You know, we can have uh, spirited discussions with one another. We can have disagreements with one another. And yet we can do all that in the context of loving one another, respecting one another, and seeing each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So as you go forth today, think about the cross of Christ. Think about how even this instrument of shame and torture and death was transformed by the presence of God. Jesus' ministry and life was all about taking every kind of human construct in all the ways of the world and turning them completely upside down. Don't close in on yourself, but love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest among you will be the least of all. Take up your cross and follow me. And so this instrument of death, this gateway to death, becomes for us the gateway to eternal life and to salvation and to grace and an ever-flowing stream of love. So as we sang in that beautiful old hymn before we heard the before and after the gospel, Let us cling to that old rugged cross. Let us glory in the cross of Christ, which we will also sing later today. And in it, partake with Jesus in salvation and in the renewal and resurrection of this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.